Welcome to Spears Podcast, episode 66, Your Urban Legends, part six. Ooh, lots of sixes. Yeah. That's three. Six, oh, six, three six. sixes, Julia. Yep, you've, you've cursed us all. Thank you for that. We have on this episode no research of our own, but instead stories from you, our listeners, and we are so stoked to bring them to you. But first, we would love to thank and welcome our newest patrons, Mariah and Megan, as well as to thank our supporting producer level patrons. These are people who pledge money to us every episode at patreon.com slash spirits podcast and help us make the show and pay ourselves and our editor and and ways to, you know, make some money and justify keep doing the show. And truly your support helps us keep doing this. And they get some great stuff in return. They do. They get perks. They get recipe cards. They get behind the scenes notes where we reflect soberly on our drunken selves reading these uh, these letters and doing the research and telling the stories. So thank you so, so much to Neil, Philip, Julie, Sarah, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Sandra, Cami, Lindsay, Ryan, Shelby, Lynn, Mercedes, Phil, Catherine, and Deborah, as well as our legend level patrons, Leanne, Ashley, Cassie, Ashley Marie, Bridge, and Shannon. You guys are all the spoon lickers of our hearts. It'll make sense in the episode. It will. It won't ever make sense, but it'll at least have context. It'll have context. <laughs> and Julie, what were we drinking this episode? Um, there is a very highlight. There's a very good story at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, uh, that is inspired by Icelandic mythology. So I went out and I bought us a bottle of Icelandic vodka, and we did a couple shots of those. I normally don't drink vodka, and this is why. And I get a little bit sloppy, a little bit, a little bit sad, oh, a little bit sentimental. Yeah, we yell about pies. Yep, it's a pretty good episode. Not it gonna is lie, pretty solid. We haven't done a recommendation corner in a while. That's true. What have you been listening to and reading recently? Uh, Ars Paradoxica just started up their last and final arc of their season. Um, It is an amazing story about time travel and the Cold War and espionage. And it's absolutely gorgeous storytelling, gorgeous sound design. If you guys remember our Hero's Journey episode with audio drama wizard misha stanton you will know that they everything that they touch is absolute gold and you should catch up on ours paradoxica or be listening to it because it is wonderful they just passed two million downloads they did so congratulations which i think on on today february 28th spirits will also pass two million downloads we'll post about it on uh it's very exciting yeah i turn 26 we passed two million downloads yes it's all it's a great day it's all you and for the record (laughs) If you listen to this episode, not the day it was released, in the far future, wish me a happy birthday. Just tweet me. It's okay. I will accept it. Um, My recommendation, I'm going to recommend two books. One is very niche, and one is good for literally every single listener to Spirits. So the one that only probably a few of you will like is called The Power Broker. It won the Pulitzer Prize in the 1980s, I think. It's about Robert Moses, who was an architect and like city planner that shaped uh, the the way that New York City was built. I feel like you've recommended this in before. The, not on spirits. Okay. Um, I'm reading it for the first time. It's like more than a thousand pages long, won the Pulitzer Prize. It is about infrastructure and architecture and like money uh, in, in city planning. And it is fucking riveting, people. It's so good. Especially if you live on Long Island, if you grew up in New York City, if you know this area, like literally every single thing that you think of as being, you know, defining about our hometown was made by this one guy in like a period of 30 years. And it is just incredible. So if you like that kind of stuff, you will love The Power Broker. But all of you, I promise, are going to love this book of short stories called Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Mikado. It's this like magic realism collection of short stories it is fucking feminist. It is queer. It is sci-fi. If you like Kelly Link, if you like 
Angela Carter. If you like Helen Oyayemi, you are going to love this collection of stories. Um, it is out. It's in your libraries. It is on your independent bookstores of the world. It's on Kindle if you need it. And it is so, 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 so good. Please read it and let me know what your favorite story is. Um, I'll also plug here our Goodreads group, which is linked to in the description of this podcast and where Spirits fans talk about the books that they love. So that is a great place to get new recommendations and to share reviews of stories that you love. Uh, and share with us what stories you're listening to. We have the Facebook group, so you guys should totally go post what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to. That is all kinds of creepy and cool. And urban legends of your own. If yeah. you send us an email, repost that that biz in the Facebook group. People are going to love it. Hell yeah. But without any further ado, I hope that you really enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 66, Your Urban Legends, Part 6. Hello, it's another Your Urban That is Legends. not how we start episodes. How do we start episodes? You start episodes. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I start episodes. It's Hi guys, it's time. me, Editor Eric, and I'm starting this episode. All I've right, never right. started episodes, I, know so how, I don't before. know how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, you're back from Spaghettageddon. How, how are you? How does it feel? I'm still covered in sauce. <gasps> How's the beard growing? It's awful. Is the beard back to normal? Like a chia pet, did it just like spring back? It's, That's not how chia pets work. There. Or like those creepy Barbies there. where you could like pull the hair out and then in again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, better. I did like do one of those like stressful parts of a movie where I punched my mirror in like uh, anger yes. because <laughs> of I looked without the beard. Of but like, you know, I'll, I'll I'll get over it. I'm back. I'm ready to. I'm ready to do it. Are you ready to tell us some non-spaghetti-themed hometown urban legends? Listeners, there is no pasta in this episode. Don't worry. I can't make that promise. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there's no spaghetti, at least. (laughs) No, we're not guaranteeing that there won't be any penne. No, I love that this is now our brand, but I understand that it's not everybody's cup of tea um, or or plate of dinner. Some people have gluten allergies. That's true. That's true. And some people like me have garlic intolerance, which is the fucking worst. I don't know how you live. You have garlic intolerance? Yeah, is that so sad? Julia, 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 can we sidebar real quick? I know. Have you have you checked holy water and a cross and all that? No shit, I might have to. Oh, no. I am very pale. Okay, we'll we'll figure that out later. Okay, so I have a myth from Kate, and it is titled Iceland's Christmas Monster. Ooh, this is good. And here's how it goes. This might have been appropriate in December, but eh, sorry, Kate. (laughs) It's a good one. It's a great one. I read it. I was like, this is pretty good. Gryla, the Icelandic Christmas Monster. So, not being from Iceland or having any family or friends from Iceland, I don't have any personal connection to Gryla, but I found out about her one day when I was traveling down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and thought it was a cool tale. I love it. That's totally fine. Gryla is an ogre slash troll who lives in a cave in the mountains. Around Christmas time, she comes down from the mountains in search of naughty children. When she finds them, she stuffs them into a sack, takes them home, and boils them alive to make her favorite stew. So like Same. slightly different than Krampus. Because yeah. Krampus just like punishes you. Krampus does not eat you alive. He, he only beats you Oof. with rods. It's kind of Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. Gry- Gryla makes you a, into a good, good stew for everyone to enjoy. Well, not everyone. A couple people are not going to enjoy this in particular. Listen, only the person that's getting eaten. <laughs> Gryla lives with her ogre slash troll husband. 
and her husband's sons are called the Yule Lads. <laughs> <laughs> right? You see why I picked this. You see why I picked this. this Yule Lads! Oh my god, that is completely like the name, the Facebook event title for somebody's like pre-Christmas bar crawl, like when you're in your hometown with your lads. It's like shitty SantaCon. Yule Lads, Cheeky Nandos, Christmas with the Fam, you know, Boxing Day Lads. Oh, I love it. I hate everything about that. Like their mom, they also have an insatiable appetite for human children. However, they don't really <laughs> hunt kids so much as much as play pranks and cause mischief. And here is why I picked this myth. Because this is the list of the Yule Lads. Yes! These are th- their names and a short description. And I hope to God at our third anniversary, one of these guys kidnaps me. <laughs> here we go. Sheep coat clog, a peg leg sheep fancier. His fancying is impaired by his peg legs. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? I'm gonna assume that that means crush. Like in the UK, fancy means like you, you know, yeah, you, like you fancy them, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on. Gully gawk hides out in ditches or gullies and waits for an opportune moment to run into the cow shed and lick the foam off the milk in the milk buckets. <laughs> That's what that guy gets up to. Tag yourself on that one. Stubby. His name denotes his stature as he is usually short. If your pie pen is missing, you can bet Stubby has stolen it to eat whatever <laughs> pie press was left behind. That was me. That was me. <laughs> it is. This one's me. Spoon liquor. Liquor and thief of spoons. There's a lot of missing food in Iceland. Are you guys okay? Pot scraper. Petty thief of leftovers. Now, I like that he's a petty thief. He's very petty. He'll steal your leftovers for the smallest infraction. Just little stuff. Just little stuff. Ball liquor. This one hides under your bed and waits for you to absentmindedly put down your bowl so he can steal it and, yes, lick it. There's a lot of licking. There's a lot. Yeah, there is. Door slammer. Oh, did you just fall asleep? Not for long. This guy plans on slamming doors. <laughs> That's every apartment building problem ever. It sounds like somebody with a dog who looks too cute to commit any of these crimes. Skyer Gobbler. There'll be no Skyer, a type of yogurt, left in your house on the night of the, the Skyer Gobbler visits. This guy's just eating your yogurt. <laughs> I love how specific so these dumb. are. Sausage swiper. He's going to steal your sausage. Yeah, nope, nope, I got it, I got it. <laughs> you don't it. have to he go any further. Sausage. The yep. window peeper. He's watching you right now. No, no, <laughs> no, he's not. The doorway sniffer. Uses his incredibly large <laughs> nose to sniff through doors as a left bread. A traditional Icelandic bread. And he will locate that bread and he will take it. <laughs> and he'll eat it. Because Julia is crying. She's so <laughs> excited so about dumb. these. <laughs> They're all so petty. <laughs> and the the American ones would definitely be like leftover fry Fred or whatever. You know, like like just fucking boot Are like like left? awful food. No. <laughs> Julia's crying. Meat hook. This fellow always brings a hook along with him so he can steal meat. Candle stealer. He follows children around so he can steal their candles, leaving them in the dark. No, not from kids. Those are all of the Yule lads. And that's what they're going to get up to in 10 months. Which one am I again? Stubby? Jesus. That my, can I put it in my profile, to my Twitter profile now? Yeah, if I had an online dating profile, I would 
like tag myself and then post the list and be like, tell me which one you are. And if it's not Spoon Licker, I'm not interested. Exactly. He's the best one. And finally, Kate writes, now I don't know about Gryla, but at some point the you lads cleaned up their act. Now they come down from the mountain cave, one at a time, in the 13 nights preceding Christmas, and place small gifts at the shoes kids leave in their windowsills. The naughty kids, however, only receive rotten potatoes. No. <gasps> no. What are the gifts? Like a leftover bay leaf from Mr. Soup Liquor? Jeez, damn. <laughs> oh my god. The, the tins <laughs> that they have been stealing all those years from the pies. <laughs> no, just crust. Just like chewed on crust. That's mine. Yeah. So guys, it's my birthday today. I mean, not at the time of recording. It's Amanda's birthday Stay when you're Stay in the fiction, this. Julia. Play in the space. Happy birthday, Amanda. Happy Thank birthday. you. Thank you. And in order to celebrate turning 26 on episode 66, I chose a bunch of drunken, witchy, devilish, and otherwise cursed myths. Checks out. Checks Happy out. birthday to me. And I'd like to start with uh, a myth from Helene that frankly has everything. Body women, drunken escapades, and witch curses. So I'm stoked. Cool. Do it up. So Helene sends us two French-Canadian slash Montreal urban legends. So she says uh, that Helene is from the province of Quebec in Canada, where French is the official language and their colonial history started with the French before they ran out of money and then the British took over. (laughs) Checks out. Checks out. Because of that, the main language remains French, and Catholicism is the main religion, though it isn't really practiced as much today. This is important, though, considering that the most legends and stories in Quebec have something to do with the devil or a person who broke some kind of Catholic rule. So I'm already predisposed to really enjoy this. Uh, So the legend that uh, Helena is sharing is more of an urban legend because it's more well-known and widespread within the same province. They even have a microbrewery beer named after this. Um, It's called La Chasse Gallery, which uh, she gave me a pronunciation guide. So thank you so much for that. Um, She knew I was probably going to read it in this situation. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But La Chasse Gallery is a flying canoe that men working in the distant timber camps took to rejoin their families for New Year's in the 1700s. Hey, uh, send us that beer. I know, seriously. Helene um, offered us for us to visit uh, and she'd buy us beer there. Trust me, y'all, we want nothing more than to do a tour of drinking with you guys at your breweries and wineries and distilleries. I want so much. So the only problem is that to have access to this canoe, the timbermen needed to make a pact with the devil. The conditions of that contract said that none of them could wear a cross, use the Lord's name in vain, or touch a church steeple while in the canoe. That seems pretty easy. That's an easy one. Wait, hold on. Do you touch church steeples easily? Is that a thing? That's that... what I'm saying. Right. Um, and also, it seems like for the devil, using the Lord's name in vain would be like, fucking do it all. Whoa. Do it up. Right. <laughs> Unless it summons the Lord, which would be bad. I, I don't know. Whatever. Um, and they needed also to come back to camp before dawn. So they could like go out for the night, but they have to come back before dawn. Um, a little bit of vampiric stuff happening. Like there have been some vampire myths where you can't say the Lord's name. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, but the ending changes. Sometimes the devil spares the men, but in pretty much every version, one of the men becomes too drunk to steer Checks out. and they either end up hitting a church steeple or they have another accident and someone starts swearing, God. which I just love. Where, where is this happening again? Wait, I, I just literally just did that. Why the church steeple? They're in a boat? No, guys, it's a guys, flying It's canoe. a magic flying canoe. Oh, right. Magic I flying canoe. Fly. <laughs> Magic flying canoe. My uh, So Helene's favorite version has the men condemned, but they try to run away from the devil, and you can see their flying canoe every New Year's Eve in the sky paddling away. 
So kind of Peter Pan vibes. I dig it. Um, and then the second myth that she passed along um, was an urban legend for the Irish of the group. Hello. Um, Hello. Helene actually is doing a master's in Irish studies and loves her Irish myths because she is Irish and has relations who drowned. So my hypothesis God checks bless. out. Um, so this urban legend from Montreal uh, is also Irish. So it's the legend of the ghost of Mary Gallagher, also called the ghost of Griffintown, which is the neighborhood in Montreal associated with the Irish. So historically Irish neighborhood. This story is the story of two rowdy women who liked to drink and lay with men. And one Same. day, Susan Kennedy saw Mary Gallagher go into her house with the man Susan usually hung out with. Ooh. Uh-oh. Helene can't remember the man's name. Frankly, it's not important. Let's call him Michael. Uh, so apparently, struck with fierce jealousy, Susan rushed into the house and upon finding Mary and Michael drunk, decides, I don't want to predict, murder, to cut off Mary Gallagher's head with an axe. Yeah. Michael was drunk and asleep throughout all of this. Uh, checks out. And so the ghost of Mary Gallagher comes back every seven years in Griffintown looking for her head. And the best and creepiest part of the story, which is otherwise fairly, you know, normal, is that it's actually based on real facts. So there was a woman named Mary G something who was decapitated and Susan K something who was imprisoned connected with that crime. Um, She was not going to hang Susan on account of her gender, but seven years later, she died in jail. That man who was connected with that, um, you know, uh, thing the one we're calling michael michael then died another seven years later drowned in canal coincidence seven. i think not seven years i think not the association of the legend with the irish is obvious not just because the names and the place but also the woman living underneath mary gallagher's flat apparently described the noise of the head as falling like a sack of potatoes <laughs> so uh this neighborhood is now super gentrified um and mary's ghost now for the people who live there sort of embodies the neighborhood that has also lost its head lost its identity kind of roaming around trying to find you know itself again and until recently people would gather every seven years to try and find the ghost to see it like as a community um and so helene is like don't get me started about stereotypes of the drunk irish etc etc i loved this so much um helene says thanks for the podcast and sorry for the length um don't worry we are we are super into it yeah so irish ghosts drunkenness uh canadian myths there you go cool we're gonna go to brazil next Ooh. with an email from paolo hey And Paolo goes, I have a creepy story to share. It originates from a tragedy that happened here in Sao Paulo back in 1974. A building called Yolma got on fire and due to the building's poor safety conditions, ultimately 179 people died that day. Oof. Until this day, as you can imagine, because it's a very common in places where big tragedies occur, every now and then people talk about strange things like voices late at night, screaming for help, scaring the hell out of janitors or security guards, locked doors that unexplicably get opened by themselves, and things like that. But the most creepy thing that occurred in Yolma was that during the fire, 13 people got stuck in one of the elevators, suffocated, and were burned alive. (gasps) Nobody could identify who they were. They became known as Yolma's 13 souls. They were buried in the Villa Alpina Cemetery here in Sao Paulo. Now, the legend goes that all the time, the cemetery security guards hear agonizing voices screaming for water. Some people, when visiting the cemetery, drop a cup of water on the grave in an effort to alleviate the souls from their burning pain. 
Also, on the grave is a plaque that tells visitors not to light candles for them. Again, because of the way that they died in the fire. (sighs) Oh, God. Another thing to mention is that believers of all sorts of religions ask the souls for miracles, and some of them have been granted their wishes, as people can see by plaques and messages written on the tomb, thanking the 13 souls for their help. And he attached some uh, pictures and stuff like that, which I will link in the description. Ooh, I love it. Nice short and to the point. Yeah, and also, like, you know that I'm a, a sucker for... Um, hauntings related to deaths that are really physical, like stuff that you really can like feel in your body. And that idea of like thirst and fire and heat, ugh, it's a lot. Yeah, no, it's some really good imagery. And it's really cool that people are, go to them in order to have their mirror. Like that's that's such a twist because normally yeah. agonized spirits, you know, they're not they're not doing business in order to help people. Yeah, but in source of chaos. Right. Hey, they do, which, yeah. is, which is very sweet. Yeah, these ones are willing to help, which is... Yeah, extremely yeah. unique, I would say. I like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Super cool. Eric, you have another one? This letter comes to us from Jacob, and they are telling us about the ghost cat. Ghost cat! Ghost cat. They write, I just finished listening to episode 54 of the podcast where someone had written in about a ghost cat, and I felt I should reach out. While my experience was not quite the same, I have also encountered what I believe is a ghost cat, or what I have dubbed a phantom feline. Perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> Sign me up. I love it. This completely counts. Don't worry. Write us in about all of your ghostly feline experiences. I live in a small town in Iowa with my wife and our two run-of-the-mill flesh-and-blood cats. Periodically, I will hear... <laughs> As opposed to your your spectral I was de- cats. I, was you know? of, of, I mean, that is obviously the situation I know, we're dealing I know. with here, Julia. I was worried you were going to say my real flesh-and-blood children. I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> Hang on. Children. This is the answer for my allergies. A ghost cat. I am allergic to all things fuzzy, cute, and also natural. Trees, cats, hamsters, flowers, you name it, I'm allergic to it. it makes me sneeze. What if I had a ghost cat? Someone please send Amanda a ghost Someone cat. please send me the specters of your cats. The, Today, you have the opportunity the to support a woman who has never had the loving the embrace of a warm pet, never been able to take selfies with her cute cat, has never gotten scratched when all she wanted was to move the cat off her laptop, Today, by texting 866-866, you have the opportunity to donate to this worthy cause and get the feline phantom that this world deserves. Periodically, I will hear sounds that I would associate as being one of the cats, but I would find them both fast asleep merely feet from me. The noises aren't anything frightening, but simply that of typical cat behavior, scratching at the door frame or the litter box, a jingling collar, a slight pitter-patter coming down the stairs, or even a distant meow. On occasion, I will catch a glimpse of a cat flicking its tail out of the corner of my eye, only for it to vanish when I turn to see which of the cats it was, again, finding them right by me. I've even felt it brush up against my leg while maintaining sight of actual cats. On more than one occasion, I have found the cats fixated with something at the top of the stairs that I cannot see, or running around like they are playing with another cat that isn't there. <sighs> Ooh. I love this. I want a ghost cat now. <laughs> I like it too. It's so like it's not it's not um like chaotic and disturbing. It's it's like a sort of extra dimension on your existing life, if you know what I mean. And sure. and that I think is a very cool kind of haunting. Everything about this has always been more confusing than frightening to me. But my wife will tell you otherwise. One day, while I was driving home from a town about 20 miles away, she called me in tears, 
saying that something had shrieked directly behind her. It scared her so bad that she left the house. She called me from the car, driving around, waiting for me to return. Good move. That's a logical wife. Our house is pretty old, built in the 20s, so it makes a good amount of noise on its own. But I have never heard a house make a noise that would make a person flee in terror. Maybe I'm dealing with multiple entities. Maybe the cat is there with his or her owner. Maybe it's something pretending to be a cat to get me to interact with. Or maybe it's just a shape-shifting tiger that can only turn into different sizes of cats. <laughs> Good theory. That's adorable. The, the theory continues. Stuck in an alternate dimension that lays so close to our own that there may be places where they start to bleed into one another. Either way, I'm moving in the next few weeks and plan on doing some small paranormal investigation after I am no longer required to sleep in that house. If I find anything noteworthy, I will be sure to send it your way. Love the show. Keep it up. How can how can you possibly move when you ghost have a ghost cat. cat? You don't have to feed it. Don't have to change the litter box. Well, it sounds like the ghost cat might be bad sometimes. Too, just though. get to enjoy its 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 wonders, its choices. Yeah. Julie just heard a weird noise. I did. Did my plea for the ghost cat work I, out? I heard a noise that sounded oh, like a cat. That's why I looked around. I was like, the fuck? Yeah, not going to lie. I, I'm not. This is not an audio drama. It's a ghost script <laughs> No, I happening. did hear something. That I also did like, hear something. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, but um, I would never move away from that house. That sounds wonderful. And listen, when you're moving to a new space, sage is never a bad idea. Nope. It's not, not going to hurt anything. Not going to hurt anything. Cost you 15 bucks might save you from some ghosts so just you know just just do it yeah i have uh, a letter here from some bffs named amy and joanna like amanda and julia and i thought that this had such drunken escapades such hauntings and and such friendship love it's everything you could ever want also lots of photos and links i love citations (laughs) so we will include a link to this email in the description so the subject is edinburgh is a very haunted place yep i remember this email now (laughs) And that just uh, that just about sums it up. So Amy and Joanna, uh, neither of them are from Edinburgh, but they have lived and you know worked in Edinburgh for many many years to be considered locals. This city in Scotland is listed in the top ten most haunted cities in the world. Cool. And there are many many ghost stories from all over, um, but the one that we're going to focus on right now is called Greyfriars Kirkyard, which Damn. sounds like a Star Trek. Captain. That's a name. It is a name. So a kirkyard, it means a churchyard. Kirk is a Scottish dialect for church, um, is a massive tourist attraction for many reasons, including um, that one, it's the location of Tom Riddle's grave, where J.K. Rowling got the name from. Oh, yo. Yep. Um, that, like, she saw the name Tom Riddle on a grave, and that's where she got the name from. Uh, and it's uh, Lily Evans, I think, is also a name on a grave somewhere in there where she got Lily Evans from. Very cool. Sweet. Uh, so two, it's the resting place of Greyfriars Bobby, who was a Sky Terrier dog that spent 14 years guarding the grave of his owner in that same kirkyard. Like, oh my God, so cute. Um, also three, it's where the famous grave robbers Burke and Hare started their quote unquote business, digging up dead bodies from freshly laid graves for their buddy, Dr. Knox. So this kind of idea we have of like grave robbers giving bodies to anatomical researchers mm-hmm. and, and doctors in training sure, sure. Um, started with this very famous like duo getting bodies for their buddy um they also worked out that fresh bodies mean more money so apparently uh, legend has it they moved down to a pub and started murdering people who wouldn't be missed sweeney todd style storing their corpses under the beds in the inn upstairs i feel like that's less sweeney todd style and more arsenic and old lace style uh that is true but there is the like the, like in there's less the cannibalism shop. in this story less cannibalism that's true um 
And actually, there are these really creepy photos in the email of cages that people put over graves, which are called mort safes. Yes, I know these. Um, they weren't actually to stop people's loved ones from rising from the grave no, again. to stop people from digging up the graves and stealing the bodies. Precisely. And the fourth reason that this graveyard, this kirkyard is very com- uh, you know, uh, important and a tourist attraction is the Mackenzie poltergeist. Yo. This is what this is. In 1999, a homeless man broke into the Black Mausoleum looking for shelter and disturbed the ghost of Sir George Bloody, quote unquote, Mackenzie. You're you're already fucked up with that, dude. Already. Like, I'm very sorry. Homelessness is very serious, but please don't break into mausoleums like fucking Spike on Buffy to to make this happen then don't have sex in this same muscle it was like super not super not so sir george mckenzie was a former lord advocate um and there have been over 500 recorded incidents since of a poltergeist from this tomb attacking people um, so there used to be a ghost tour that visited the mausoleum where visitors often mentioned a strong feeling of unease as well as unexplained wait for it uh cuts bruises scratches and broken bones yeah okay so like the first three yeah, the, yeah, sometimes those things happen. <laughs> Understandable. Broken, bo- unexplained broken bone. Yeah, everyone's broken up with just your femur into liability you, insurance. You can't not Ugh. remember no. falling onto your leg and breaking it. I'm it's, I'm just no. trying to think about the poor like office manager who gets the call like, uh, yeah, Susan, can you just dispatch someone here? There's there's another one, another one, Jim, another one. An article in the Scotsman newspaper from 2006, so just seven years after the poltergeist was apparently activated, claims that 450 documented attacks and 140 people had collapsed. And, quote, even suspicion that the Mackenzie poltergeist was responsible for the death of a local psychic, unquote, after that psychic attempted an exorcism on the mausoleum. (laughs) You fucked up. You fucked up, my friend. That psychic didn't even finish before noping the fuck out of there, (laughs) fearing for his life. Uh, and he died a couple weeks later of a sudden unexplained heart attack, which yeah. is very sad, but also like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You fucked up. The ghost tour officially stopped because of the sheer volume of people passing out at the mausoleum. <laughs> Sounds Hard like a smart same. idea. Um, we're not sure when it stopped from asking around. Amy and Joanna did some first person research and asked around and tried to see when it stopped, but they, they weren't sure. Um, they think it was relatively recent as of 2018. Um, so the, the tour was known to collect images and reports of sightings and injuries, etc. And until October 2003, when the offices of the tour company mysteriously burnt down, destroying all evidence collected. Burst into flames. None of the connecting buildings uh, to that office were affected, and the origin of the fire is unknown to this day. On the bright side, though, uh, there is still a walking tour around that graveyard, the Kirkyard, because there is a cute dog and also Harry Potter. Um, cool. And they still tell these ghost stories just, you know, during the daylight. And not inside the mausoleum. Nope, don't go in there. Cool. Also, interestingly, uh, a large section of the graveyard right next to that black mausoleum was cordoned off. Uh, and actually, it's known as the Coventer's Prison. So it was once home, you know, in, in uh, quotation, to 1,200 members of a failed anti-government revolution in 1679. It was a prison, uh, 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 you know, conventor, mm-hmm. I guess that's what that means. Sure. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, but conditions at this prison were so brutal and violent that only 257 of those prisoners made it out alive four months after their mass incarceration. Uh, the public are now not allowed in that prison section of the graveyard in daylight or after night for their own safety. 
Uh, what do you do with it though like i think that's a really good question like what do you do with a section of a graveyard like that is the one consecrated like holy thing that human beings don't touch we don't fuck with the dead you know and like what do you do we we do we do but we know it's a mistake you know and and like what what do you do if a section of a graveyard is messed up like who owns that land like what you know what do you do probably no but like i don't know there's no good way to like disturb the dead as poltergeist informed us there is no way to fuck with the dead properly yeah absolutely um and there's also a very cool section here again we'll include the full email um about the vaults which are a section underneath um the part of edinburgh that's near south bridge uh and it's like a very cool creepy like vault full of bodies there were pubs there were brothels there's a haunted bar underground uh and i super super want to visit it it. now yeah but um i would love to take a tour it sounds really really fun so thank you amy and joanna for not just sending us these myths but doing first person research to see if you can figure out the uh the the cause of this mysterious tour company closing um thank you we love you we appreciate it yay uh so we'll uh we'll do another email this one is from kaylee kaylee writes hey y'all in light of the most recent urban legends episode this is from a while ago sorry kaylee uh i figured i'd email uh in my own to share uh she writes the first happened when i was a kid probably about seven or eight i was in the girl scouts and as a field trip we stayed in a civil war era boat in baltimore harbor for the night no no yep. no not no if, if no one thing no i said it's that civil war ghosts are no good yes, that is true sure. Part of it was we were meant to be ship's boys, which meant we had to take watch in groups of two or three in the middle of the night. Wait, hold Uh-oh. on, hold on. Back, back. Why, why did they have to take watch? Because they were pretending to be like people on the boat and their position was ship's boy, which they ship's boys were this notoriously like... like a good, this doesn't seem like an effective use of no. educational tools and, and experiences for children. Also, does this remind anybody of the fucked up like Alaskan wilderness survival yes, trip does. myth we read? Oh my Except god. Except this is in Baltimore Harbor, so I think they're probably okay. I mean, but like, oh no. What happens? Okay. Obviously, I'm already a bit creeped out, staying in a pitch black, super old boat, and with the beds right next to the old med bay where a ton of people died. And when it came time for my watch at 2 a.m., I was already wide awake. Children shouldn't be awake at 2 a.m. Yeah, I woke yeah, up no. the Unless Why they're did like you sleep fucking... on this boat? Ugh. Why did oh, you even God. sleep on this boat? It's like, I couldn't sleep no, on the no, boat. No, it's like people who like sleep on like the Intrepid and shit like overnight. No, yes, that's a thing people no! do. It, no, not, no, no. I've done that. I've I slept on like a like World War Two boat one time with Boy Scouts, but yeah, that's like a okay. boat with lights and stuff. This is an old boat. They probably could put lights in it, but they don't. Whatever. I'm <laughs> finishing this goddamn no, no, story. No, no, I want to have a quick selfish no. plug. It's my birthday. I can plug if I want to. <laughs> I want to sleep in the Metropolitan Museum and or the Museum of Natural History. That's a fucking thing you can do. I know. You have to pay money for it, though. Okay. So if anybody has connections at a museum literally anywhere, I just want to sleep in a museum overnight. I want to be Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, and I want to do it. So if you have connections, hit me the fuck up. Spiritspodcast at Gmail. So your okay. plug is a is more of a request for yourself to do something cool. Yes. I'm using my fame for selfish reasons, yes. <laughs> this so, podcasting has been the longest con. <laughs> so Kaylee writes... Sorry, Kaylee. Sorry, Julia. I woke up the other girl I was going with and we started walking around the ship. 
On our second lap around, I looked behind me to make sure the other girl was still following behind and saw a third figure behind us, way taller than any of the girls on the trip. No! It was still super dark, though, so I assumed it was one of the adults checking on us and didn't say anything. The whole time walking around, I had a really strong feeling of being watched, and I didn't sleep for the rest of the night because of it. (sighs) I would chalk it up to sleep deprivation and imagination, but at a later Girl Scout meeting, the troop leader took me aside and asked who the man was on the boat with us. She told me she'd woken up in the middle of my watch and saw a tall man following us. It scared the shit out of me, suffice to say. So what we have here is gross negligence by the Girl Scouts of America. Yes, agreed. More than anything else. It sounds like a Girl Scout leader was awake. First off, apparently they just let the girls wander the boat at 2 a.m. That doesn't seem safe. Secondly, one of them was spying on them from a distance and saw a tall, creepy guy and just didn't do anything. What, what are you doing, oh, Girl man. Scouts? Kaylee has one more quick story. Ooh. Story number two comes from a little later when I told my grandma about this and asked if she believes in ghosts. My grandma is a seamstress, and she told me that back in the 80s, she was working for someone in the city who may or may not have been part of the mafia, but that's another story. (laughs) Uh, She was alone in his house, and after sewing for a while, she stood up to get a glass of water and saw a woman standing at the bottom of the stairs. The woman was in full period dress with 1800s Arab bonner and a nightgown, and just kind of stared at my grandma for a moment. The way my grandma tells it, she didn't even think to be afraid. There wasn't any ill will coming from the woman, and my grandma was eerily calm through the whole thing. My grandma and the ghost stared at each other for a while, and then the ghost smiled at her. My grandma blinked, and when she opened her eyes, the woman was gone. <sighs> and she goes, I hope, they, uh, I hope these were creepy cool enough for y'all. Hearts, hearts. <laughs> I think it does. They were. There were some really good ones. Yeah. I I love that image of the sort of like the ghost coexisting, you know, and just like hanging out in your space together. Beautiful. Thank you, Kaylee. Also, literally, can every single person go ask their grandparents if they believe in ghosts and have your voice memo on your phone turned on (laughs) and send us them? I show people's grandparents stories. And we're going to finish up with a story from CJ, um, who writes to us with a Czech folk tale called The Stray Boulder. And this is, again, about friendship, drunken escapades, and, uh, and, and love. So I thought it would be a good note to end on. Okay. CJ is a native New Yorker uh, living in a bohemian town of Česka Buda... Hold on. Česka Budajovice in the Czech Republic. CJ gave me pronunciation. Okay. I did my best. Anyway, so in this town... Uh, CJ picked up some local legends and is going to recount one. Uh, So most cities of any size throughout Europe have a central town square, often cobbled, which I can attest to. Uh, And this city of Cheske is no exception. The square in particular in this town is very uh, square and symmetric and perfect, which is actually pretty uncommon. Often it would just be kind of a rectangular shape and, you know, wherever the lines were, that's where the lines were. Um, But in this square, there is a blemish of a particular note. There's a singular oval cobble about the size of a loaf of bread and has an X etched deeply upon it, letter X. The stone is called the Bledney Common, I think, or in English, the Stray Boulder. 
so when CJ was new to town, um, they were talking with a school friend in the square and asked about the stray boulder. It does stand out from the rest of the very perfect regimented chessboard-like town square. And so the friend said, oh, you want to avoid that. It apparently marks where the town gallows once stood. And actually, this is like research-based and true. Um, and it marks the spot where 10 men accused of regicide were hung. Uh, the friend didn't mention that part, just that it was, you know, marks about gallows. So CJ's friend said that if you stand on that stone as the bell tower is striking the 12 tolls of midnight, you will be set lost into the city by the spirits of the dead, unable to find rest or return home until the sun rises. As far as curses go, not that bad. I will take a curse that lasts like five-ish hours until the sun rises, but still. Um, So many months later, a different friend of CJ's had been spending the day two hours north in the capital, Prague, and the two of them were returning together home by train. Beer on trains is way overpriced, so they brought on some quote-unquote orange juice and got thoroughly drunk on the train ride home. So by the time they got off the train and rode the bus into town center, it was nearly midnight. CJ says, I know you think you know what's going to happen, but just hold on. Any predictions? Ghost train. It's the ghost train from Hey Arnold. Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, is that different to the 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 Snowball Express? What is that movie? What is that called? The, the Polar Express. The Polar Express. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, it's very different. One star is one star is an Uncanny Valley Tom Hanks, and the other was in Hey Arnold. <laughs> Okay, well, in this case, no ghost train. Um, This is CJ and Sophia at midnight in the town square when the first toll of midnight struck in the churchyard. Sophia suddenly lurched away from CJ and yelled out, do you see it? CJ looks around, but Sophia is just pointing out toward the town center. And CJ is like, what? So Sophia persists in running pell-mell toward the town center, apparently chasing something that no one else can see as the bell continues to strike 12. CJ was giving chase, but Sophia is on a mission. CJ rounds the corner into the square after Sophia, and she is making for the clock tower. CJ tries to call her back, but at this point she's repeatedly just saying, wait, wait, while running. Thoroughly worried for uh, their friend's mental health, CJ just keeps trying to catch up to her. As the final toll, the twelfth toll, strikes, Sophia collapses to the ground, her arms outstretched above her, reaching out toward nothing. CJ falls to the ground next to Sophia and holds her and asks, what, what is it, like, what's going on? She says, it's an angel, it's an angel, don't you see it? She's crying and shaking and she just keeps saying, it's an angel. CJ sees nothing and is completely freaked the fuck out by this. Uh, And while they see nothing, the air had an electric quality that was and continues to be, as they think back on this very kind of upsetting, you know, situation, like it, it, you know, it feels unnerving. It feels weird. Uh, They were, to remind everybody, extremely drunk. Uh, So Sophia, after a few beats, brings her arms in and doubles over crying and like mumbling about how beautiful it was. And at that moment, CJ glances down and sees that one of Sophia's knees and one of CJ's knees are on the stray boulder. And though CJ is an atheist, um, at that moment, they knew that some force had truly and utterly, like, fucked them over and put them in a really weird position. Um, There is nothing, CJ says, quite like a drunk girl seeing angels. 
And after that, they hopped a few bars to kind of drink away that memory, took a few taxis that didn't bring us where they were supposed to, got lost a few times, had to walk two miles at one point, cutting through a cow field. Sounds like one of my grandpa's stories about walking to uh, to school. Um, they hid behind some bushes from some nefarious people during that night. And ultimately, as they were walking up the hill to the house where CJ was staying, the sun was creeping up behind us. Their shadows were long in front and they had been lost for the whole night. So I'm going to link to some photos of that stray boulder. It is very cool. It is very creepy. I love that image. And um, CJ, thank you for writing in. Nice. That's very cool. Guys, I would get uh, lost all night with you in Czech Republic. Thanks, boo. Me too. Thank you, listeners, for sending in your stories. Please keep them coming. We are working slowly through our back catalog. If you send it to us, we read it and we get excited. So uh, more stories about friendship, more stories about uh, ghost pets. I'm super behind it. And uh, more stories about weird stuff you did as kids that you completely should not be allowed to do as kids. (laughs) Please. (laughs) And remember to stay creepy. Stay cool. Look out for Spoon Liquor. (laughs) Spoon liquor! (laughs) You lads! You lads for life! You lads! Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.